just so privileged to be here. We're a little larger than when I first used to come visit you, Pastor Brett, back in schools and little strip malls and all, and so I'm just so honored and really blessed to be here. I'm sorry Kathy's not with me. She's recovering from a knee replacement. Let's pray. Father, I, I'm just so thankful for this moment um, in time, thankful for the decades and the privilege of coming here and watching this church grow and reach out into the city, the privilege of watching this building, and I thank you, Lord, that their greatest days are ahead. Amen. I'm going to just share briefly with you tonight, I'm going to entitle this message, The Key of David. Um, I've never preached this message before. I, I wrote it on the airplane coming in this morning, just waited to hear what the Lord would say to me. I'm going to basically break it into three very simple parts. I want to talk about a promise I feel from God for you. I want to talk then about the process through which God fulfills that promise. And then I want to talk, then I want to picture it in scripture. Then I want to give you something as a church. In Revelation chapter 3, speaking to the church of Philadelphia, in verse 7, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, I write, uh, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Jesus says, I hold the key of David. That is the key to the whole house of David. I can unlock every room. I can unlock every promise. I can unlock all the power you need. Nothing I can't unlock. And God says, though you're weak, though you're of little strength, though the church of that time was being persecuted and excommunicated from the synagogue, he said, when I unlock a door for you, no one can shut it. When I open a door, it does not matter. No political power, no entity can shut it. He said, and when I shut that door, all the powers of hell can't jar it open. When I shut that door and lock it. Now, what we find is astonishing is Jesus holds the key of David. But we know there is a man that Isaiah that he hands that key to. We know Jesus said, I've given you the, the keys to the kingdom of heaven in Matthew. Now, what kind of people does Jesus hand that key to? What kind of humans does Jesus unlock everything David had to? How does he do that? What's that like? What does he have to etch in us, do in us in a moment of time where says, I've got the key of David and I'm going to hand it to you. When I hand it to you, it's going to unlock things that will be open no other way. And it's going to lock things down that nothing else can lock. Look with me in Isaiah, the 61st chapter. Look at Isaiah 66. We'll stay pretty much in Isaiah the rest of the evening. Pardon me, Isaiah 61, I'm sorry. So I want to talk, there's a promise. Now, what is this? process. How does God take a human? How does God take your life and mold you and shape you into the kind of man and woman or church that God can say, okay, here's this key. How does he do that? Very familiar passage. Jesus, of course, beginning of his ministry spoke it. The spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and then he gives all the things he does. I bind up the brokenhearted. 
I proclaim freedom for the captives. I release them from darkness to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. I bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Now, as wonderful as these things are, they're just the beginning. This is just really God preparing a person. Many humans, they come into the house of God, they need joy, they're blind, they're bound, they're hurting, their marriage is broken. But the fact of it is, God's ultimate purpose is not to make you joyful. God's ultimate purpose is not to deliver you out of bondage. God's ultimate purpose is not to let you out of prison, not just to save your marriage. But the fact of it is, many, many people come into a great church like this, their eyes are open, they see some truth, they get joy, their grief is washed away and they're done. But that's just the beginning. Because if God is going to use a people, he wants to do more than position them. He wants to do more than prepare them. And we find that in the very next verse is this. They're going to be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God says, if I'm going to do something in you, if I'm going to display my splendor in you, if I'm going to display my glory in you, it's not enough for me to give you some joy. It's not enough for me to deliver you from grief. It's not enough for me to let you out of prison. I've got to plant you somewhere. Because I've got to take your life and plant you somewhere. Now we know when we're born again, we're planted into Christ and our roots are let down into him and God comes to live within us. And that's a wonderful start. But God says this, if you are going to grow into the oak tree I've called you to be, sign of stability, longevity, strength, splendor. I've got to plant you in the right soil. Why is that so important? Because it says in verse 11, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before the nations. Many, many believers never get to this place. They get set free, get a little joy, come to church, lift their hands, they stop there. But God says, if I'm really going to use you, I've got to take your life and I've got to plant you into the soil of a family. I've got to plant you into the soil of a local church. I've got to plant you where there's discipleship and truth and faithfulness. And God says, if you will allow me to plant you in the right soil, by the very nature of that soil, you're going to grow into an oak tree. You're going to be strong. You're going to be stable. And then I'm going to be able to do something with you. Now, I tell you by the Holy Spirit, in the next months, God's going to be freshly planting people in this church. God's goal in this church is not to fill this building. God's goal is to plant people into the soil and the culture of that church because he has a purpose. There's something he's after. You'll watch him in the years to come plant hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of people in this soil. Now, why does he want to do this? He says, because they're going to be called something, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, and I'm going to display my splendor. And once we become oak-like, and once we become consistent, and we don't quit, and we don't falter, and there's righteousness in our character, and God begins to be displayed through us, 
then he has the building materials that he needs to do what he really wants to do, which is renew a city, touch a community, make a difference where there's brokenness. And here's the final purpose of God. He says this, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They'll renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. How does God do that? Because he's got the right building materials. God says, when I've planted my people, when I've worked on their character, when I've discipled them and changed them, and when I find a place, God says, where the soil is right, I'll never ever cease to plant people into it. You see, God's end game, God's purpose is not to make you joyful. It's not to get you out of prison. It's not to break your grief. It's not just to crown you with loving kindness. God's purpose is not simply just to plant you in a church. God wants to raise you up and use you to touch your city, touch your community, make a difference where you live. Now let's look at that and spell it out. Look at Isaiah 22 with me. In Isaiah 22, God illustrates this. Talks about two different men here in Isaiah, the 22nd chapter. Very interesting prophecy, beginning in verse 14. He talks about a man named Shebna, and he talks about a man named Eliakim. Shebna was kind of the steward over the king's palace. He was out for himself, the Bible says. God talks about him. Cut a grave with a mighty, had a chariot, self-promoting, all about his career, all about himself, gave lip service to God. The principles of God to him were just a launch pad for his career. Oh, they were going to better him and help his career and give him a better marriage. And they were going to catapult him. Here's what God said to him. I'm going to roll you up tightly like a ball and throw you into a large country. There you'll die. And there the chariots you were so proud of will become a disgrace to your master's house. I'll depose you and I'll throw you out of your position, but I've got someone I really want. That was a man named Eliakim. And the word Eliakim means the man God sets up. The man God raises up. And God raised this man up as you look later in Isaiah in a time of hell. Sennacherib was at the gates. He had never, ever been defeated. You can read the records of the Assyrian Empire. And there he was to destroy him. And God raised up Eliakim. He became a leader in that moment to defeat that man. It says this, I'm going to raise up Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, and I'll clothe him with your robe and fashion your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He'll be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah, and I'll place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. And what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I'll drive him like a peg into a firm place. He'll become a seat of honor for the house of his father. All the glory of his family will hang on him, its offspring, its offshoots, and its lesser vessels. What'd God say? In the middle of crisis, in the middle of darkness, with Assyria banging on the gates of Jerusalem, God raised up a man named Eliakim, And he gave him key of David. The literal key is steward. He could unlock any door in a palace. 
He could unlock the financial doors. He could unlock the doors to the treasury. He could unlock the doors to the armory. He could unlock the doors to the chariots, anything. He had them. I hear the Spirit of God saying tonight, I'm looking for a people to share that key with. I'm looking, searching for a people to share that key with. And I felt by the power of the Holy Spirit that God is getting ready to grant that key and the doors it will open to this church. Pastor Brett, please come up here. You want to bring the elders up with you, Pastor Brett? Let's have the designated elders as well if we can. Elders, pastors of GCC, Pastor Don, come on up. Marianne, your wives as well. Sixteen years ago, Pastor Brett, on a visit I called you and Daryl up. Where is Daryl? There he is. And handed you a staff. And I was praying and God told me to purchase a key, put it in your hand. Daryl, come up here with Pastor Brett. Jewel, I'm going to put this key in the two of your hands as I did that staff 16 years ago. And I'm going to prophesy. And here's what the Lord would say. Take this. Sons and daughters, hear me now. Doors I will open for this church will stagger you. For I will open political doors, spiritual doors, financial doors, and property doors. And you will come into an incredible period of the open door. And there will be a changing of the guard in this city, says the Lord. And I will allow you to produce even a generation of young leaders of young politicians, and there will be an open door in the political system like you've never known, says the Lord. For I will bring the high and the mighty to feed from this table. And I will use you, says the Lord, and I will open property doors, I will open office doors, I will open site doors, and I will open doors, and you will know it is me. For you will time and time say, we did not have the strength for this, and God did it. But I will not only, says the Lord, give you the power to open doors, I will give you the power to shut the doors of the enemy, to shut the doors of oppression, to shut the doors of falsehood. And from this day forth, know that impossible doors will open for you. And nothing will be impossible for you, says the Lord. I will open hearts. I will open, says the Lord, checkbooks. I will open neighborhoods. I will open businesses. And I will do it by my spirit. For even as you have been faithful to me in this house, so I am going to express my faithfulness. And nothing, says the Lord, that I command you to do will be impossible. And I will surprise you, says the Lord. And I will open the door to the seats of power and I will open doors that will amaze you and there will come a supernatural drawing from this house, a supernatural drawing of my presence and you will be amazed to see who I draw. 
You will be amazed to see who I plant in this house. For they will not just visit, I will plant them, says the Lord. And I will root them, says the Lord. And I will use them, says the Lord. And I will fill this house with my presence. And I will fill this house with people. And I will fill this house with disciples. And even as I place this natural key in your hand, so I place a spiritual key on your shoulders, says the Lord. Um, Whenever God does something for me or to me, it's always for you. Always. And so this is this has nothing to do with Brett Fuller Ministries. I don't have brettfuller.com ministries. It doesn't exist. It has to do with you all. And any any good that is spoken of of me, spoken of me or any good that I do is is always contextualized in Grace Covenant. I am not a success if you aren't. I can't finish well without you. So whatever God speaks, either through preaching or through prophetic utterance, is for all of us. I would like... uh, my dear friend, Pastor Tim Say, to come and help. Um, I was told that I also missed somebody in the exhortations of thanks, one of the pastors, Pastor Seeger. So I'm sorry about that, Mark. Please forgive me. But Pastor Tim has been my friend for 33, 30, almost 34 years. He's the first person I met when I came here to Washington, D.C. He's the one who became my friend. And I was a minister at Howard University. I just turned 21. And he was a youth minister at Evangel Temple Church downtown. And he took me in and helped me. And he started a church in 1987 called, now called Crossover Church. And uh, we've been friends the entire time. He's my accountability partner. He's my brother. His wife, Robin, is just amazing. Amazing. And I could not be what I am without meeting with this man on a regular basis. Um, he prays with me about everything. And I don't know anybody who's been more substantial in the progress of getting this building in terms of help than him. He showed up three and a half years ago, preached a sermon for us and brought a $100,000 check from his church. Said, we're sowing this into you. All the pastors are saying, where can I get friends like that? I don't know. God treats me so much better than I deserve. As evidenced by my buddy. Pastor Tim, would you please come and give us a charge?
after, pa- <clears throat> after, Pastor, after Pastor Tim gives us a charge, and we're going to have some pastors pray for us. Amen. Surely this is the day the Lord has made. Amen. You know the other side of that? We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Would you stand? Because it's a charge to all of us, me included. This charge is a call for you to affirm your present and future faithfulness to the heart and plan of God in this house. So I'm going to ask you to affirm as we go through this charge. I charge you, by the way, under the hand of God Almighty, by the grace of Almighty God, to be faithful, to honor, celebrate, worship, and revere his presence in this house. If so, say, we will. We will. I charge you to be faithful to nurture and advance the mission that has been entrusted to you in this house to encounter Christ, to experience community, to extend the kingdom. If so, say we will. We will. I charge you to be faithful to uphold the Bible as the undeniable, infallible, inerrant, life-producing, life-sustaining word of God in this house. If so, say we will. We will. I charge you to be faithful to pursue and engage the presence of God's unconditional agape love toward one another in this house. If so, say we will. We will. I charge you to be faithful to be that city set on a hill, bringing light, hope, transformation to your community and abroad from this house. If so, say we will. We will. I charge you to be faithful to seek the face of God in prayer, the heart of God in brokenness, the plan of God with intercession, the goodness of God with thanksgiving in this house. If so, say we will. We will. I charge you to be faithful, to freely yield, submit, and give yourselves over to the presence of a spontaneous, divine, life-changing, soul-restoring, body-healing, visitation, and manifestation of his glory in this house. If so, say we will. We will. God bless you. What, what I'd like to have happen next is Pastor Mitch Smith, please come up. Pastor Mark Koch, please come up. These are the two men who were foundational in my life. Again, Pastor Mitch won me to the Lord in 1981, March. And Pastor Mark Koch is the founding pastor of this house, and I want them to pray over our house and over our leadership, asking God's blessing. I've got a couple of words with Pastor Jim that just are on my heart. Number one is the word tells us unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And it's obvious the Lord's built this house, so you're not laboring in vain. So we can say thank God for that. Amen. 
Number two is praying for unity, that the Lord dwells where there's unity. And it's not that you don't have unity, but if I hear God correctly, you're going to be stewarding a move of God. And it's going to increase. And uh, Pastor Brett, I can just tell you that that little baptismal there is not enough for what God's (laughs) going to be doing in this place. Also hear the word supernatural, signs and wonders. And I want you guys to be ready for this. That I felt like the Lord said, sometimes you have altar calls. People come down front. They get healed. They get touched. But your testimony, how God birthed you into the kingdom is going to happen all over this auditorium. There's going to be signs and wonders and miracles. No man will receive the touch. It'll be the Lord himself touching and healing and setting people free. And I want to be a part of helping you guys in terms of stewarding because I know that Pastor Brett, of all my years of ministry, has to be the top of the top for humility, gentleness, and serving. My wife and I both attest as a college student Pastor Brett loved us and served us more than anybody else. He would cook dinners for us. He would come over, then he wouldn't eat with us. He'd just leave. We'd like, Brett, please. But he would do that. That's just been a trademark of his ministry, and you guys can attest to that. So I want to pray for the servant's mantle that's upon him to be upon all of you. So you guys just join your hands. I'm going to pray quickly. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for the, Lord, the recognition of this man of God, not only as a couple and as a family, Lord, even as a church community. Father, we pray as they would walk out the purposes, as Pastor Jim shared, as they're planted here in this city, that God will see the things that you've desired to see happen in this community. The Father, we thank you for, Lord, number one, just for the unity among this team. God, I think it's already there. I think it'll just increase. Father, we thank you, number two, just for the servant's heart that's just very evident throughout every facet of this community of faith, that God, it will just increase and grow. Father, we thank you, number three, that you're going to God just see through the, your servants that God, I just see signs and wonders and miracles taking place. Father, we thank you for the Lord, the hundreds, if not thousands of people that will be swept into the kingdom of God. Father, we pray for grace covenant as the name implies, Lord, that your grace and your covenant will never leave this place. Father, we thank you for an increase of your presence. We thank you, God, it will increase, increase, increase. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just very quickly before I start my prayer, I, I, I just can't tell you how privileged I am to be here tonight. And um, I feel like a, a man who somehow fathered a family and had to and then was taken away for 25 years and then when I come back and I see this I just can't tell you how I feel and uh, some of you have told me about words that I gave to you that I've long forgotten you you come up do you remember no and uh, (laughs) there was a whole lot of prophesying going on back then but but you've said things to me like it's all come true so this is just just mind-blowing for me. <clears throat> Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that I was privileged to be there when this ministry first began. And I thank you now for the privilege of being here tonight to be invited to this. Thank you for the vision and faith that brought this building into being for this pastoral team. 
I know how many times they may have been tempted to go toward their own way or to be in disunity, but you have kept them together. And they have sacrificed uh, their own selfish or own self-centered goals and to be a team and to walk together. And I just thank you for that, for the support staff, without whom ministry can't go forward. They're so vital. For all who gave money and goods, special thanks for those who gave sacrificially. And a very special thanks for those who had very little to give, but who sacrificed from what they had to live on. We thank you for them. We've heard something of the ministries uh, that this building will house. We ask your blessings on each and that each would be multiplied. And that from this building would pour out ministries that have not even yet been dreamt. And I ask that you would use it to launch a particular ministry that in our lifetime will destroy the cycle of poverty and addiction in the inner city of Washington, D.C. Make it happen, we pray, Lord. That a generation of young people the world has already counted as lost will instead be redeemed. In short, so work in all these things that 20 years from now, some who are standing here tonight will look back and be able to say correctly, that was just the beginning. Lastly, Lord, I pray for this man. This man, Brett Fuller, who led this church to this important moment. Many run, but not all finish well. Grace him to both run and finish very well. Let him not grow weary in well-doing, but find rest and wisdom. Let his identity flow not from ministry alone, but from the joy of his heavenly Father. When faced with disappointment, let him find his consolation in Christ. When he's exalted by blessings, grant him the humility that alone slays deceitful pride. And as they grow older, may he and Cynthia grow ever, ever closer. Likewise, his children, grandchildren, when they come, and trustworthy friends. To the very end, let him burn with your love and grace, but not burn out. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by works, but by grace. Not by sight, but by faith. And always, as we've already heard, not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to thy name, give glory. Heavenly Father, I can boldly ask all these things for Brett, for his family, for this staff, 
of pastors and leaders and support and for Grace Covenant Church. Only because of our matchless Savior, Jesus Christ, who bought them for us. He bought them for us. He bought them for us, guys, at the price of his own blood. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You all can be seated. We were, we were trying to figure out what is the best day for us to begin our first service of worship in this facility. And we were pressing as fast as we could because we were doing four services next door. And no one was more tired of doing that than me. Can we get in there in a hurry? I felt my, 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 the gas was running out of my tank. I would literally fall asleep between third and fourth service in my chair, in the worship. People thought I was meditating. (laughs) I was gone. I was absolutely gone. I was so tired. Just I said, God, I just can't keep doing this. So we pressed it as best we could to try to figure out what's the earliest we can get in here. We thought December 13th, we, we can get all of our construction workers to get in there and hurry up and paint and, and put the carpet down and put seats in and, okay, we can make this happen. Then we get the, the inspection, we need the, 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 the electrical and we need the plumbing and we need the, the lighting. We, okay, we, we can make it. So we thought December 13th. So we had the final inspections on Tuesday and Wednesday, which is like the 8th and 9th. And then on Thursday, we had the final inspection, and we were denied. Because the room that we originally had divided was now one. And it wasn't even a load-bearing wall. <laughs> Never mind. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm, I got good problems. I got good problems. I'm happy with folk. December 13th was the date. That was that Sunday coming up. So the only way for us to get this permit was for our elders to run down there. And I'm telling you, you got some great elders. Roy Watson, Daryl Green, Keith Temple. These men work. They work at volunteer level. They ran down there at 9 o'clock on Friday morning, the 11th. And they said, listen, we need to get this room over here approved. Is there any way you can give us like a... An exception so that we can maybe get that approved later and then use the sanctuary and we won't even use that room. And that's when they began to look to try to find out whether we actually, you know, the process was all in. And they saw that we didn't have a site in, uh, approval uh, on file. Now that means the site approval is when you, you don't even put a shovel in the dirt yet. And so like... <laughs> what? Uh, no, sir, you don't. We got to stop it all right now. You all are in trouble. That's when Roy and them says, Who's the guy? And they go to him. And, and the guy happens to be in the office. He's not out looking at some other side. He happens to be in the office. I want you to see how God's moving now. He happens to be in the office. And then he's, they, Roy and them talk to him and say, We're that water park people over there that changed into a church. And oh, yeah, I remember you guys. Listen. I'll just write you one right now. That doesn't happen. And, and, and then, see, he says then, ah, it's amazing you all came today because this is my last day. 
Now, if we had decided to do church the first time in here, the next week, there would have been nobody in Fairfax County who knew we existed. Are you listening to me? No eyewitness to say I was there. And we had no idea that God was using our best idea of how to get in the building with his perfect plan of how to get in the building. Had no idea. That's how much God loves you. on the cake after the elders felt the favor of God on this they said can can we get that room approved over there all of a sudden Fairfax County became our extended staff they ran up and down oh we can fix this thing for you with it at 9 came out at 11 with everything approved If there's anybody who knows what I'm talking about and, and, and the sense of anticipation of what might not happen, it's the pastors who have gone through Fairfax County. <laughs> gone through Sterling, gone through Loudoun County and tried to figure out how can they get anything to move. Two hours of all the miracles we've had to get in this place. I'm going to write that one down. That's enough to write a book on. So, we're going to close this service with an adapted prayer from Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 23 and 24. 27 through 30. 41 through 53. 1 Kings 8, 23 through 24, 27 through 30, and 41 through 53. I've intentionally changed some of the wordings so that it can be relevant to us. As I read, I'm praying. Verse 23. O Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. But... Will God indeed dwell on on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which we have built. Yet, have regard for the prayer of your servant and to his supplication today. O Lord, my God, listen to the cry and to the prayer which your servant prays before you today, that your eyes may be opened toward this house day and night, toward the place which you have said, My name shall be there to listen to the prayer which your servant shall pray toward this place. Listen to the supplication of your servants and of your church when they pray in this place. Hear in heaven your dwelling place. Hear and forgive. Also, concerning the people who do not know you, those who are not of your church, when they come from afar for for your name's sake, For they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm. When they come and pray in this house, hear in heaven your dwelling place, O God, and do according to all for which they call to you 
in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name, to fear you as does your church, and that they may know that this house by which we, this house which we have built is called by your name. And when your people go out and must engage the world system by whatever way you shall send them, and they pray, they pray to you in the place which you have chosen, the house which we have built in your name, then hear in heaven their prayer, their supplication to maintain their cause, O God. If they sin against you, for there is no man who does not sin. If they take thought in the area of life where they have been taken captive and they repent and make supplication to you in their bondage, saying, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have acted wickedly. If they return to you with all of their heart and with all of their soul from the captivity of the world and pray to you in the house which we have built for your name, then God hear. Hear their prayer and their supplication in, this, in heaven, your dwelling place, and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have, who have sinned against you and all their transgressions which they have transgressed against you and make them, make them objects of compassion. That your eyes may be open to the supplication of your servant and to the supplication of your church to listen to them whenever they call to you. For you have separated them from all the peoples of the earth as your inheritance. As you have spoken through Christ your Son. O oh Lord God. And as I dismiss you tonight, may the Lord bless you. And may he keep you. Those of you who grew up in a religious background, turn your religion off a minute and hear it for the first time. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and grant you peace. May he lift up his countenance on you and be gracious to you. May this blessing be yours. May you experience it when you wake up tomorrow. And as you go throughout the day, you experience the blessing of coming in and coming out and realizing his presence being with you. And may there be a fresh rededication of your life on the regular that does not count the inconvenience of being his as too difficult. It is not easy carrying your cross every day, but it is a privilege because that is the only way we can find the life we were intended to live. May the inconvenience of carrying your cross daily be yours. And may you glorify him, honor him in all that you say and do. Thank you, church. You are dismissed. Let's give him one more shout.